0: Support for WERU health-related programming comes from the Penobscot Bay Press, committed to providing community news and information, publishing three weekly newspapers, the Weekly Packet, Island Advantages, the Casting Patriot, the Annual Bay Community Register, the Summer Seasonal Guide, and more. Also on the web at www.penobscotbaypress.com.
1: It's 10.01, and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at weru.org. Healthy Options with Andre Bella is up next. Good morning. I'm Andre Bella for Healthy Options, a program about alternative health therapies. Uh, this morning, we're going to be speaking with Jerry Vistein, who is a uh, wildlife biologist, and she's going to be talking about creating healthy relationships with carnivores in Maine. This is a very controversial subject. We really welcome all viewpoints on this subject. It is a call-in show. I'm going to give you that number right now, although we won't be taking calls for about another half hour. The call-in number is 866-625-9378. If you are a person that is a hunter, if you are a person interested in nature and wildlife biology, if you are a farmer that has uh, chickens, or sheep that may have been affected by these carnivores and mostly we're going to be talking about uh, coyotes and fox. We want you to call in and tell us what your issues are and what Ideas you might want to present to Jerry because we're also looking for solutions I will say that during this show I'm going to kind of wear two hats usually I'm just the interviewer But in this case occasionally I'm going to put on my farmers hat because I do have chickens and this summer I think like a lot of farmers in Maine has been devastating for us the fox population has wiped out um, probably two-thirds of my chickens and just last week Uh, I had 26 baby chicks that were about three weeks old and they were in my chicken coop and they were in a pen and during the night, I think, a weasel squeezed in through a little tiny hole about the size of a quarter and slaughtered all of my animals. So it's a very controversial subject and we want to investigate how we have a relationship with nature that's a healthy relationship. Is that relationship important? Why is it important to us and how do we make that happen? So um, we do welcome your calls in about a half an hour. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you. Um, Jerry is an independent conservation biologist practicing here in Maine and her focus is on carnivores. She belongs to a network of conservation biologists in the United States called Project Coyote which promotes educated coexistence between people and coyotes by championing progressive management policies and fostering respect and understanding of America's native wild dog. You can refer to the website, which is www.projectcoyote.org, if you would like to learn more about this. Here in Maine, she collaborates with our state and federal wildlife biologists and nonprofit organizations on behalf of our Maine carnivores. She works pr- primarily with the human community with an array of creative projects for all ages and experiential learning for children. And I know she has a fabulous PowerPoint. She's been traveling around and speaking for different organizations and also in libraries. So, welcome, Jerry. And tell us, what does, why do, are we talking about uh, coyotes and carnivores on a health program? So, to start,
2: you know, our relationships affect our well being, as we all know, and they can bring happiness, rich experiences, and positive feelings, or they can engender fear, anger, and frustration, and a life devoid of comforting feelings. These negative experiences of life create stress the number one cause of disease. So relationships can go beyond our species, as any person who shares their life with a dog, cat, horse, chickens, or any other domestic animal knows. And further, our relationships with other wild lives on the planet can affect our well-being in a very rich manner. If we choose not to have a positive relationship with other life, it can profoundly affect one's well-being. So today we're talking here about holistic health in the true sense that our health goes beyond the universe of our body and our species. It encompasses the whole circle of life.
1: And I think a lot of us here in Maine, because we do live with carnivores, and we and in the show we're going to stick just to Maine. We're not going to talk about other parts of the United States because that, that would be a whole other show. But we really want to talk about people here in Maine. We have hunters, we have farmers, and we have lots of people who experience these carnivores just by seeing them in their backyards or along the road. And there's a lot of fear, um, I think, sometimes because we we don't, have a lot of knowledge about what these animals are and what they do and we certainly do understand a lot of us about the problems that exist but we need to be looking at solutions and i really hope that this program will be very much about solutions so do remember that this is a call-in show and at the half hour we will be um, welcoming your calls and we want to see all different aspects of this issue come up and put them on the table and i know it's very controversial but we want to talk about all aspects of this issue so, on the idea of information, Jerry, tell us a little bit about coyotes, and how did, they, how did they come to Maine originally? So, to start, you know, coyotes
2: are native to North America and live nowhere else in the world but on our continent. Um, this species has lived here for over half a million years, and archaeological research has found that they have been all over this continent at different times in their long history here. However, when the Europeans arrived, coyotes were living in the prairie states of our country and the prairie provinces of Canada down to Mexico. What ultimately caused them to spread throughout the continent was caused by man, the extermination of the wolf and the clear-cutting of our forests. With the wolf gone, the landscape was devoid of a major canine carnivore, and nature will strive to heal itself. So nature doesn't like a vacuum, right? So mm-hmm. coyote filled the niches where coyote, where the wolves once lived,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and is doing so here in Maine.
1: And so, any I know I know that this is also a controversial subject. We really don't know how many coyotes there are in Maine, but any estimates?
2: Um, we really don't know because um, the research actually has been done on coyotes in reference to this. Um, I um I have heard an estimate um but again is very very loose that possibly somewhere in the realm of 10,000. However, um again this is not really definitely scientifically based, but this is what biologists are expecting just from using territorial boundaries.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens a lot of times is there's just an awful lot of fear. Not so, not so much around fox because fox are relatively small. They're kind of like an oversized house cat. They're not really very big animals. We do tend to see a lot of fox, but I, I will uh, relate a little story that happened to me last winter. I was sitting um, with someone who lives in my house, and we were looking out the window at this beautiful snow scene, and as we were looking out on the field and some of my fences, this huge deer comes bounding through around the side of the house and bounding over the fences. And we were just in awe at this beautiful sight of seeing this deer in motion. And then we realized that the deer was followed by this giant coyote that was also bounding over the fences in pursuit of the deer. And I have to say that my emotions totally changed, because at first we were seeing this beautiful deer, and the next feeling was this sense of, of fear, because we realized that this was a situation of prey and predator, and that coyote was after that deer. So where, where does some of this, this fear come from? In re, I mean, are, are coyotes dangerous to people? I, I think that's probably the biggest fear. We're always saying, is this animal going to hurt me? It's one thing to see that goes after a deer, but is it going to hurt me? So let,
2: let's start with this concept of, of fear. Um, and fear, um, fear is not only a negative emotion; it also causes humans to act in violent and also often ruthless ways towards other life. And so we live in our society um, that is really quite fear-ridden about many things. Just turn on the national news. Lots of fear. Yes, and uh, watch what it's putting out to us. And so, and we teach our children fear. We hand it down to them often because of the society that we live without even
1: knowing what we're doing. Okay, but I'm, I'm going to play the devil's advocate yes. here. I'm also going to say that fear uh, is a natural protection from us, and it helps keep us alive, because when there actually is something dangerous, it, it helps us focus and protect ourselves. So I don't think we want to totally get rid of any kind of fear at all, because it is our natural... I mean, we are animals just like the coyotes and the foxes, and that is our natural innate sense. Mm-hmm. And I certainly agree with you that, that it gets overplayed because we become fearful of things that have nothing to do with our everyday lives but but how does this happen with coyotes are coyotes dangerous to people
2: so let's talk about that um so coyotes are wild carnivores and coyotes need three things to survive like all living beings they need food water and shelter and so when coyotes have come to maine our role in our relationship with them is to keep them wild. Do not ever afford to them food, water, or shelter. And when I say food, I mean food in many, many forms. First of all, absolutely never to intentionally feed them. A research has been done down in Rhode Island, and they showed that 99% of any kind of conflict issues that people had with coyotes came from coyotes that had been intentionally fed by humans. So when Mm -hmm. um, coyotes see humans as a source for food, that is when they will tend to become um, closer to us and tend to become more assertive in trying to get that food. We, you know, our dogs are domestic we give them food. They count on us for food. Coyotes, we want to keep them wild. And we don't want them ever to see us as a source of food. So intentional feeding, absolutely never, never, Mm -hmm. never, it is very, very dangerous to us and very, very dangerous to them. And that is with all wildlife, too. It isn't just coyotes. And the other is non-intentional. Again, trash. How do we put our trash out? Do we put it out at night? Do we have it well-secured? Do we keep and I think carnivores are also teaching us more and more. Take a look at your land. How are you working it? Mm -hmm. How neat and intact do you have things? They
1: are getting our attention. Yes. Yes, They certainly got my attention this summer. Absolutely they're getting attention. How what are you doing
2: with your trash? And that's a really important piece in reference to carnivores. Never ever allow them to get into your trash because then they will see you as a food source and they will always be coming back to your property. If you have fruit trees on your property, when the fruit starts to fall, clean it up, okay? Otherwise, this really needs. Coyotes are a carnivore. But they also, they eat everything. They're, they're, they're absolutely marvelous survivors. They love fruit. They love Maine blueberries. They love peaches. They love watermelon. And they're going to eat those things. And so you don't want to have that on your property available. You want them to keep eating their wild food, which are voles, mice, rabbits, wild turkeys, deer. That's what you want.
1: And rodents. And I rodents.
2: Hope. Rodents big time. That's that's their favorite food, basically. And that is what they will always tend to, be, tend to eat. And that's what their parents parents teach them too, if we allow their parents to teach them that. And so we don't want them to kind of get a taste for any of this anthropo- anthropological food, um, so human food. So
1: we want to have clear, clear boundaries. Clear here.
2: boundaries there, and that then they understand that. And so and also um, it's the I, also in reference to when you have domestic animals, when you have domestic animals, you want to make it very, very difficult or dangerous for a wild carnivore to get at any of your domestic animals. And, th- and so you keep them away, and so that you can live in coexistence with a really wonderful relationship where you can experience them. They experience you in coexistence, where they're doing their amazing stuff in the, in, in the ecosystem, and you are doing yours. Um, and so it's very important. Um, and if we do that, coyotes are, are not, uh, um, there is nothing to fear from coyotes. That, that is a really important piece. Another piece that I would talk about um, is people have made comment to me about this when I've been giving my presentations, um, is that people will be walking their dogs in natural areas, and especially in the months of May, June, July. Um, and and uh, again, um, Andre made this really great comment about fear, and oftentimes fear is created by um, not knowing. And when you have knowledge, fear tends to disseminate and go away. You you don't have the fear because you understand. And so another important thing is to understand wild carnivores' time for mating and giving birth to their pups. So that if you are walking your dog in a natural area, because coyotes are an amazing carnivore, they're a unique carnivore, and that they are very capable of living amongst us in peace. And so they can live very close proximity to us without us even knowing about it. So you're walking in a natural area and you're walking your dog and a coyote comes out during this time of year and starts barking at you. Um, A person who understands the time of the year and understands what's going on with the carnivore in that ecological system, so you're understanding each other's worlds, is going to back off. Uh Uh-oh, I must be near a den. Let's get out of here. Coyote parents are just like you, who are parents. They're very protective of their pups, and they're trying to tell you, Um, please go away. And they're not necessarily trying to tell you to go away. They're telling your dog to go away. They do not see your dog as your dog. They see your dog as a fellow carnivore, a fellow canine carnivore, which they see as a threat. And so it is wise for you to just leave the area. If the coyote keeps following you and you're uncomfortable, coyotes are very curious, but they're also very timid. All you need to do for have the coyotes stop following you, raise your hands above your head, yell loudly, uh, walk with a whistle, or if they don't uh, if they're a little more curious, throw a stone in their direction, not at them, and you will see they will go away. And so uh, these are other important things to know about keeping this this relationship um, with with coyotes that um, in reference in reference to fear.
1: I think this brings up a a larger point, too, that we were (coughs) talking about earlier, and that is where, as human beings, is our place in nature. We're, We're animals just as the coyotes are and the fox are. And perhaps as humans, the thing we fear the most is death. And when you look at nature, it's pretty much about you're born you live and you die and depending on your religious perspective you may say that's one time around or you may say that's many times around but i think in our culture we have such a fear of death that it's hard for us to look at this natural cycle of nature and realize that death is part of it and i think that when we turn away from nature either from fear or because we live in in more urban areas where we don't see nature on a daily basis. It's very easy to develop this, this fear of death, which of course is a, is a natural process. And it's a little difficult not to put judgments on that because we want to say death is bad. We have to avoid death. But we all know that it's inevitable for all of us. And whether we're talking about the predator and its prey or we're talking about our own lives. I think what we're looking for is these relationships so that we can all coexist together in the cycle that is nature.
2: And Barry Lopez in his books of wolves and men makes this comment of the dance of death that predator and prey does. And he expresses it as this very, very positive thing. And so this whole concept of predator and prey is part of this amazing, amazing great design of nature, which is absolutely impeccable in its design. So nature has created this process of predator and prey that out of death comes life, and life in many, many forms. So your large carnivores, which I speak of coyote for here, which is the largest canine carnivore here in Maine, they are actually, as scientists would call them, as an umbrella species. And as an umbrella species, we call them umbrella species or keystone species, when they go and kill another animal in their process of striving to survive, they start this amazing process on the planet. And what they do is, and they're responsible for this, first of all, in that step is the very animal that they kill. Say, for instance, it's a deer. The very species that they kill they are creating that species as a much more healthy species. So by killing that particular deer, they are creating a much healthy deer herd in Maine, which is a great need for our deer have been without a canine carnivore for over 150 years. We as humans may not notice the difference because we don't know what was there before. And so in that process of killing any species, they create health in that species, and they also create balance in their populations, which is of great importance for the health of our ecosystems. But most of the species that predators kill are herbivores, and of course herbivores affect our plant life, and plant life, um, the keeping the plant life in balance so that herbivores Um, do not affect our plant life in a negative way. They are kept moving, and also their numbers are not so large that whole areas are destroyed. And the reason being is there are many other little ones, little species, that really count on healthy plant life, um, like our frogs, our salamanders. All these little creatures that play important roles in the ecosystem are affected by this at all. So when a coyote kills any kind of species, they are affecting top-down all the way. Whether we see it or not, this is going on. And the more you look, the more you'll see it. Many people tell me stories of how they've already seen these things going on in Maine since coyotes have been here for value. I had one elderly man speak to me of a place in Maine where they used to visit where rabbits were hopping all over the place, large numbers of them, all over and he says, since coyotes have been there, we go back there now and we see rabbits. But their numbers are no way the numbers that there had been before. So already he's observing and may not even know what he's observing is this creating of this balance. Lastly, the carnivores affect balance in their own carnivore, t- uh, uh, um, whole, whole carnivore species. And so the large carnivore, which is coyote, is affecting pr- fox. They are affecting all the other mesocarnivores, as we call them, which are skunks, um, opossums, uh, um, groundhogs, all these other different animals, who um, raccoons, and they affect their numbers and keep their numbers in balance. The farmer who lived up in the... Um, um, the Upper Saco River told me that before he told me the story, and he's just so amazed himself and impressed is that before coyotes came, he used to have a, quite a farm, and that um, the meso carnivores would come in and just wipe him out, just wipe him out and he said within the, a short time of coyotes present, he said it was amazing how they balanced their numbers and so he may they may have a groundhog come out and take one row of one of his vegetables, but after that they were gone. Or they were moving mm. on. And so this amazing balance that goes on um, in our ecosystem here in Maine. and I, I would encourage you when you go out hiking in different places and land trusts and everywhere that you love to be, pay attention to these kind of things and watch for differences and in your own property. Watch how these different interactions go on. And it's amazing and wonderful. And it's all about our relationships. And when you see this, it's like it enriches your life. It's like, wow.
1: And, and, Uh and, And we're really talking a lot about balance. On healthy options, if there's one theme that we always seem to be talking about in our health, it's always balance, finding the balance. And in order to find the balance, it means that we have to take the time to be informed. In any good relationship, whether it's a relationship with another person or it's your relationship in nature, it takes a little time to really examine what that is all about in order to create that healthy balance. And I will say I've had a really hard time of it this spring because of my experience with um, predators and and my chickens. And I want to remind those that are listening that this is a call-in show, and in about five minutes, we're going to be opening up the lines. I'm going to give you that number now. It's 866-625-625. 9378. And I hope that people who have lost chickens like myself will certainly call in. What we want to focus on after the half hour is what to do about some of these things. And specifically, Jerry has some wonderful ideas about how to protect your chickens. Um, I will say that after speaking with her quite extensively, especially when I was feeling quite emotional about this whole subject because I'm very protective of my animals. Um, you w- you want to have a solution because if you don't have a solution, it, it results in, in killing because that's the only solution you can think of. And, and I've got to admit, I mean, I would be a total hypocrite if I didn't say that after that weasel came in my pen and killed my 26 baby chicks, When I found the hole, I'm going to, total confession here, I plugged up the hole with rat poison. And that rat poison is gone, and I bet you anything, that weasel is dead. Now, that's the way I I dealt with it, because it was a very emotional thing for me, and I didn't know what else to do, because I still have more chickens in that pen. I was able to save one baby chick. Apparently, this animal was on this killing spree, and, and this was killing, I don't totally understand this, but I don't think this was killing for food. I understand... When the fox comes and kills and it has babies it takes one of my chickens in a day and that feeds the babies and i can i can reconcile that for myself i i don't like it it's always andre against the fox this is the game we play every year and and that's okay but but it kind of ups the ante for me when an animal comes in and kills not for food but just for whatever i mean these baby chicks were stacked like cordwood in a pile. I mean, these are three-year-old chicks, so these aren't like day-old chicks. These are, you know, halfway between chicks and adults, and um, and there they were in this big pile. So, you know, I had a pretty strong reaction to that, and we need we need to look at some solutions. We also need to talk about, um, and I didn't know this until I talked to you, Jerry. Um, what? There aren't any regulations on, on coyotes as far as hunting or killing them, are there? I mean, what, what's that all about? I thought that as long as it wasn't deer hunting or bird hunting season, I was safe to go in the woods and there wouldn't be any hunters there. But after talking to you, I found out that that isn't the case at all.
2: Well, to start, first of all, I would say that Maine has um, um, a long tradition of, of sustenance hunting here in Maine. And, um, and uh, I've spoken to many hunters here. Who have great respect for the species that they kill and i respect them however the killing of coyotes is not hunting as one hunter has told me and he hunts all different species he said the killing of coyotes is not hunting because there is no respect for the species so let's um and so what after about
1: s- fox i mean are there regulations yeah, on so fox yes so i can tell well? you speak yeah, to you about yeah. that as
2: well so um with that said um the regulations and i'm going to put regulations in quotes here okay because um people are permitted to kill and you trust me i am not going to say hunt kill coyotes year round in maine Um, 365 days a year, uh, of course, and not um, um, on Sunday, because hunting is not permitted here on Sunday. Um, The killing of coyotes um, at night is permitted from December 15th to May 1st now. There is um, a trapping season that starts early on coyotes and fox as well. Um, and lastly,
1: but is, is there any commercial value? I mean, I know people have, you know, mm-hmm. fox coats or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's some commercial value in a fox pelt. But mm-hmm. is there a commercial value in a coyote? I mean, I've never heard of anybody wearing a coyote coat. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I mean, are they, are they trapped for their coats? Is there some economic? So, I've never
2: heard um, of that. let's, um, there, actually, there have been, um State and national trapping surveys have gone on, and they consistently show that trapping today is more of a hobby than of a livelihood. And that is so here in Maine, too. People do earn money on it, but very, very little money on it. Is there a market for coyote coats? Most people don't know this, that um, uh, um, most of coyote um, fur is used for trim um, and there um, so a trim on jackets trims on purses and different things like that coyote fur will be used for that it is from time to time used for full-length coats but mostly for trim and the price of their pelt is somewhere between $13 and 30 uh, depends upon um, the market and also you have to subtract that all the time and money spent that these trappers use um, on gas and moving through because the their lines are very long they can go for many many miles um, and so th- i would say um, and getting back also to the fact of the regulations um so that's more or less where that where that money piece is the reference to trapping but in reference to the regulations um basically we see that there are no regulations really in reference to protecting coyotes so coyotes are not protected in the state of maine and i'm asking you as the people of maine right now to ask why if this is a species that is doing such important ecological work that's been missing here on our landscape, for over 150 years, we've been missing a large carnivore. And they're doing really important work in the ecosystem and also for us. I mean, I have tell many farmers, many farmers, many people are telling me stories of what they're noticing coyotes are doing that is for good for us. Not just good for the ecosystem, which is good for us, but directly good for us. Um, and why are they not protected while all other species are? We need to question that. AND SAY, um, WHAT KIND OF
1: REGULATIONS SHOULD BE PUT IN PLACE? YEAH. I THINK MY my OTHER QUESTION, AND THEN WE'RE GOING TO TAKE A QUICK BREAK, TOO, IS THAT I THOUGHT I WAS SAFE, YOU KNOW, WALKING IN THE WOODS WITH MY DOG um, BECAUSE I FIGURED IT WASN'T HUNTING SEASON. AND SO BASICALLY WHAT YOU'RE TELLING ME IS THERE'S REALLY NO SAFE TIME TO WALK IN THE WOODS IF I HAVE A GERMAN SHEPHERD AND IT LOOKS A LOT LIKE A COYOTE, um, THERE COULD BE SOMEBODY OUT THERE THAT, YOU KNOW, COULD SHOOT MY DOG. or I could get shot as well. I think that's that's another issue is human, human safety. I want to remind everyone that this is a call-in show, and after a very short break, we will be taking calls. The number is 866-625-9378. So please call us after the break. We'll be right back. Bella for healthy options we've been having a very um, interesting talk on a very controversial subject this morning with uh, jerry Vistein. and we've been talking about having a healthy relationship with carnivores in the state of maine we've been talking um, about mostly about fox and coyotes and this is a call-in show the number is eight six 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 two five. And I I would like you to call in, and especially if you've had problems like I have with having your chickens killed by fox, or if you have sheep and they've been killed by coyotes. Uh, I really haven't heard of any uh, sheep problems, but lots of chicken problems. We want to know, and we want to give you some practical solutions this morning. So if you have calls, please, please do call in now. The number is 866-625-9378. We would also like to hear from game wardens, and animal control officers, because you folks are right there on the lines. You have a direct contact with these animals every day. So please do call us, because we want to give some practical solutions. We want to know that you can still raise your chickens and not feel like you're just feeding that fox all the time. So, um, Jerry, do you, do you have some... Oh, we've got some calls right on the line. So, um, go ahead.
3: Yeah, you do have a call. Uh, hi, Andre, this is uh, Dave Putnam from Brooklyn.
1: Welcome, David. Nice well, to hear from you.
3: Well, I'm, I'm so glad to hear you're concerned about chickens. because Very
1: concerned about chicken. I
3: have had a, a predation in, in my small flock, which has got me very concerned, and I welcome the chance to describe it and uh, perhaps uh, gain some insight into how to deal with it. It's bears.
1: Bears? Yeah. Where do you live, David?
3: Brooklyn, uh-huh. in the woods where the chickens are, uh, and it's, uh, it's a very interesting situation because I believe, though I didn't witness either of these events, but uh, from the descriptions, as close as I can tell, what happened is a, a small cub, a bear cub came one evening, not even after dusk, in the, in the late afternoon, and picked a fight with the rooster. And the rooster, uh, brave gentleman that he was, uh, took him on, but he lost. And um, the hens had flown to the nearby trees and escaped. Uh, and the rooster, I found his feathers down by the stream, and that's all I ever saw of him. Uh, mm-hmm. And the bear cub was seen to be going off with the rooster in its mouth. And then I, uh, in, in analyzing this event later on, uh, because the next day uh, the wire around the base of my chicken coop had been discovered, I've got uh, uh, hardware cloth yeah. going down six inches or ten inches even into the ground, mm-hmm. and uh, that had been scraped away at and uh, encountered, and the, I, the, the the pursuit had ended, as far as I could tell. And so I said it wasn't a bear, it was a, a, a raccoon or some small critter like that, and the the hardware cloth has foiled it, and I'm safe, my hens are safe, only the three remaining from the last predators, which is a whole other story, and um, uh, then three days later, uh, after being gone for the night, I came back in the early morning to find my hens out loose in the yard, which is highly unusual, because I make sure they're locked up tight behind the door at night, and... Uh, On surveying the chicken house, it was totally busted in. The walls were broken in a way that only a bear could do. They're not strong walls, but nonetheless, uh, it was the work of a bear. And I I posit that it was the mama bear come back to show her cub how to really do it. Uh, And uh, the chickens, God bless them, had uh, flown out over the bear's head while the bear was coming in through the hole Mm -hmm. and uh, into their usual trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where I left it, and I, I that night I uh, rounded the chickens up under cover of darkness, put them in a cage, and took them over to my neighbor's, mm-hmm. uh, where the bear had attacked a year previous, which is how they got to my house in the first place. But the bear seems to have forgotten about that, and um, there are two or three bears around Brooklyn, and uh, other people have had problems with, with bears and chickens in Brooklyn.
1: That's very interesting, because I haven't heard of bears going after chickens. Jerry, what do you think about mm-hmm. this one? Oh, that is so.
2: Bears do go after chickens, and um, and, and so you have a, a, a real life issue of a carnivore. And what happens is it becomes a cycle. You know, it, it would just become a cycle and cycle. And you say, okay, what's the solution? Um, what can I do here to protect my chickens in ways other than I'm doing already? And um, and so one of the first things I think that we need to do is take a look at. Your, your property and where your hen house is located and what you actually are using to protect them from from predators and is this effective or not and so evidently it's not working and so first of all is my chicken house in a place that i feel is safe or carnivores can get to it much more easily and and that's a big piece of when they save when you're looking First of all, the first thing when you're you're looking for solutions is, what's the situation? What am I finding are the problems? Where are the problems? What can be causing these problems? Is where it's situated? Am I using enough? And oftentimes, with protecting um, our animals from predators in a non-lethal way, always need to use more than one form of protection. And predators are on survival level they will find every imaginable way to get to food. And so you see the bears. And bears are very capable of it. Um, do you use electric fencing at all around your chickens?
3: Well, I have to tell you, uh, Sherry, is that your name?
2: Jerry, yeah. Jerry,
3: that uh, my chickens are, I let them out during the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I'm very happy with that solution. And mm-hmm. I, th- I feel that I'm raising. Uh, little by little, evolving a, a tribe of chickens which knows how to deal with predators and mm-hmm. that it flies into trees when it needs to. Mm-hmm. The thing that worries me is the nighttime. Uh, mm-hmm. They go to roost in their house like good birds. I leave the door open and they return to their yard. Uh, the, uh, so uh, they're always a little more cautious after every time this happens because it seems less safe to them. So it uh, always
1: happens at night with the bears. Doesn't happen during yeah.
3: the day. Yeah, it's always happened. Well, except for the bear cub. This was while they were out wandering around. Uh, once before, some neighboring dogs came. Pardon mm-hmm. me. The bear cub was in the what time of day was dusk?
1: It was um, what was about, dusk. What about the idea of a dog? Do, do you have Well, a dog? there
3: were two dogs who came wandering another day, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, frightened my chickens into the trees, and they made so much commotion that I came to see what was the matter, as they usually do when there's a real problem. Uh, I try not to leave them out if I'm not around to listen to them, uh, uh, which is the first line of defense. If you're going to have wild stock, you've got livestock, you got to sort of be there. Uh, and um, uh, then, uh, so I, I was able to chase the dogs off by hollering at them in French, va chien, Which, in my experience, has always worked very well with dogs. Uh, And the one knew it had done something wrong and went slinking off immediately, and I never saw it again. The other one, I had to run all the way down the lane.
1: I was suggesting more, David. Do you do you have a dog? Because dogs, Ah, Jerry, might want to talk about how dogs affect. Trouble
3: with my chickens.
1: Not necessarily. Mm -hmm. And and we've been
2: discussing this too. I I think having um, a dog present on your property, and uh, um, I'm going to be giving a, a presentation at the Common Ground Fair in reference to domestic animals and on uh, lethal, and we're going to be talking about ev- all these things that we're talking about right now, except that we have to have such a short time. Um, but um, dogs are, um, can be a great deterrent against any kind of wildlife, and they don't even necessarily have to be a guard dog. Um, because other dogs see your dog as another canine, and your dog is territorial and will protect and alert. And um, I highly recommend dogs that are mixed breeds. Um, Not necessarily purebreds because they have a um, a many, many uh, genetically. um, They're much more balanced, and so having a dog present on your property even is very valuable, if nothing else. And that's one of the roles, also times that the 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 guard dogs like Great Pyrenees do. One of the first things they do is alert by their bark, and so having a dog present on your property helps create alertness. And predators are very, very careful of their safety. If, if there's, it's all of a sudden there's this noise and this raucous by a dog, they may not stick around. Just that will get them to go away.
3: One, one more thing I'd like to ask you about, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'll hang up. And mm-hmm. let up. Yeah, we okay. have
1: another caller on the okay. line. So. Okay. I've,
3: well, I, I, I've heard that bees can be protected from bears the only way, by putting the hives on a platform which is 8 feet in the air, which is supported by uh, uh, those small cement-filled tubes, which we used to hold up uh, the floors in the cellar. Uh, and I have a hunch to do that for my chicken house, except they cost $60 a piece. So.
2: I highly recommend you looking into electric fencing. And I will be talking about that um, at the Common Ground Fair, so come, come see me. Okay. on Saturday. Okay. Thanks,
1: David. We have another call okay. on the line. Great. Oh, we <laughs> lost our we lost our caller, but we do have another question here. And the question says, wouldn't the predator problems be less severe, especially bears, if people reclaimed existing farms rather than farming in the woods, establishing new farms in predator territory? Is that a good idea? Interesting question.
2: Um, that, um, that's a very good statement. And one of the things they're talking about in reference to um, protecting your, your um, animals, your domestic animals, from predators is that you need to have this area. If they, predators have these hiding places, so they're on edges of forest. So if, you, if your meadows, where your animals um, talk um, are um, um, on um, edges of forest, it's so easy for a predator to, to hide there. And be closer. And so, yes, it, it's um, having farms that are open are very, very valuable. Where you can um, no, no need to use the non-lethal. Uh, um, I mean, there, no need to use the lethal. Just ha- where you have them is important. Um, and I agree with you. Starting to invade forests, um, you're, you're going into predators' pro- um, land. We have and another call for um, okay. on the line. Are we?
1: Did we? Yeah. We still have that caller. Good
4: morning. Go ahead. This is Yo in Tremont.
1: Yes. I've
4: been uh, raising poultry for, gosh, 30 years now, and I've had all kinds of losses and uh, become very frustrated at my inability to take an active role against predators. Uh, I had a martin for a while, and I never saw him, but he took a duck every night, and it was really distressing. More recently, um, I have started doing some farming in a wooded area where coyotes come through and I see them every now and then, as soon as uh, the dog barks, they run. But I find the coyote leavings within 50 feet of the bird pen, which means to me that they're they're down there every night and they're checking it out and they're looking for a bird that's outside and they're looking for a hole in the fence. But what I really have to agree with is nothing beats having a dog because they are on duty, particularly at night, and they are very keen to the sounds and smells of other predators and a few barks is enough to rouse them. I've also had a problem with owls. Owls have come down, and they do find a way to get through the hardware cloth and uh, get, at the, get at the poultry. I uh,
1: want to ask you a question about your dog. I think one of the issues is what kind of dog. Now, I don't know if your chickens are enclosed all the time, but do you have any thoughts about what kind of dog? Because some of us have our chickens loose during the day, and we want to make sure we don't get a dog that will kill the chickens.
4: Well, this dog is a mixed breed. He's a Labrador retriever and a Rottweiler, so he's a big black dog now. Labradors are bird dogs, and you sort of would expect them to bother the birds, but this dog, he, he just plain doesn't seem to have any interest in the birds, and they're out. They, you have to let them out. You can't keep birds penned up all the time.
1: Right, right.
4: And, but I was just going to say that um, it really is a temptation to take active steps against wild animals, putting out poison, trapping them, shooting them, and whatnot. But, you know, personally, I consider that immoral because... They're living where they live. They're at home. And it's the farmer's responsibility to protect his domestic livestock without having to go on a killing spree of, of wild animals. And creating passive restraints, it, it's a chore. It can be expensive, and you've got to keep at it. But in the long run, it's, I think, more successful. Because, I mean, what if you do kill a coyote? The next one that comes grabs more of your chickens. So I think the better thing to do is just protect them. I've never tried electric fence against that kind of animal. I actually uh, have an electric fence, and if Dave would like it, he can give me a call at 244-7877, and I'll let him have it. But um, I'm a firm believer in good fences and a good dog and a good lookout for your birds. Mm -hmm. Thanks for putting on the show. It's very interesting.
1: Oh, thanks for the feedback, and, and thank you for your you.
2: comment too. Because um, I, I, I think it's in that last comment you made is that you know we're responsible for our domestic animals, yeah. and if they kind of live in this middle world between the wild and our human world, and we bring them on, and we're responsible for them. Well, because we put them at risk. We put them at yeah. risk, and uh, and our wild carnivores. And, and always keep this in mind. Your farm is an ecosystem, an amazing ecosystem. You want to keep all the parts. That includes the carnivores. And so the coyote that kind of comes and ch- um, walks on the fence um, along your fence, and is checking out your chickens. You want that coyote family to stay there because they're just checking them out, sure. and that's all. And you, they will get to know you, and they know you have a dog and a fence, and you will have as a stable. As they
4: know, they can't
2: feed there. That's right. That's the bottom line. And your dog is letting him know that. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: We have another caller on the line. Go ahead.
5: Hi. um, uh, You have commented a couple times on coyotes being our largest uh, carnivore here. And um, I can say that we have had cougar tracks in the back of our house, uh, as identified by somebody who knows wildlife very well, uh, with the tail mark dragging through the snow. And also, my son just uh, about two weeks ago saw one in Jackman, about five feet long, and heard reports that there were cougar in the area. And so I just thought uh, that would be interesting to get your comments on. And um, the other is that um, I guess I I, uh, I think there's some inconsistency in the in your logic in, in the logic I've heard on the show. Um, if we are all just a part of this sort of uh, circle of, of nature, then um, the, uh, the, the... I can't remember your names. I'm sorry. but am Jerry. Of you com- yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jerry. One of you commented a of, of fear of going... Uh, by the way, I don't hunt, but I have no problem with hunting. Um, and I, I do agree we need the coyotes. The, the deer problem is getting uh, severe, I think, um, at least in our area in Surrey. But um, I think that if we are all, if, if, if the ethic is only that uh, we are a, a, a part of this life cycle and we shouldn't feel bad if one species is taken down by another species, then if we're a part of that, then we really shouldn't care if a, if a hunter just shoots us in the, in the woods. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's an inconsistent logic, and I think there's a much higher ethic to look to and uh, that that's
1: What's your higher ethic? Government.
5: The higher ethic would be that uh, this actually is not our world, but that it is God, and that we are to care for creation um, in, in a loving way and a responsible way, uh, realizing that we have to answer for our care of the creation that is not ours. It's not just simply that we're all sort of, trying to navigate here because uh, mankind's clearly a higher creation than the animals. Um, you know, I don't poop in my living room floor. It, it, it's a, it, there. There's uh, the animals don't talk about the economy. It's you know we, but we have the responsibility to care for God's creation. So I think that that's a much better ethic to look to. Anyway, I'd really like a comment on the. Uh, that's just kind of a, a thought. But I'd really like a comment on the cougar issue because I, I hear people saying, oh, there's no cougars here. And yet I know we've had tracks in our backyard.
1: Well, we I think we know there are cougars. I've seen them. I've had them on my front porch in Belfast. We're we're getting close on time. But Jerry, do you want to respond to the ethical question? Uh, sure.
2: Just one question I wanted to make is when I said the okay. um, the coyote is the largest carnivore. It's the largest canine carnivore. Um, yes, oh, there okay. are uh, many many sightings of um, um, of, of um, cougars here in Maine. Um, and in okay. reference to the ethical, everybody comes, everybody comes. Everybody um, comes in their space in the world in um, how they see. Um, how they are on the planet. And the biggest piece, you know, whichever way we speak about it, is that of mutual respect. And that's number one and we're in the circle of life and how can we create and that's what this whole thing about today is about relationships is of mutual respect and creating positive relationships and in every way we look upon it without, ethically being, or judgmental. Morally, without being judgmental yeah, yeah. Right. and that's a, a big piece of looking at that larger picture whether it's from your son your daughter your wife your dog out into wildlife it's all this mutual circle of life and thank you for calling it and thank you for sharing your thoughts I really appreciate that because this is how we're going to start moving
1: Directly, uh, further on. We do we have time for one more question? Okay, one more short question.
0: Well, it's not a question. It was really. Uh,
1: I'm sorry. Uh, we have another caller on the line, so we just want to squeeze in one more question before the end of the show.
0: Yes. Um, hi, this is Gray from Hancock, and uh, I don't really have a question, but I, I got a comment on the left what the last caller was saying, which is that it really it re- really uh, gladdens my heart to hear. Um, and I believe, maybe I'm putting something his mouth is not true, but I, I assume perhaps he was a Christian. Anyway, a person who follows the Bible, um, I think, uh, giving respect to, to our place in the natural world. Um, and I just hope that, that, um, that people will begin to see that we're not necessarily a higher animal or a higher creature or something how better than the animals. We're only different. And we are living in their territory that we came I mean there were animals here before there were any people, and uh, we're, we're in their territory, and if we are so such higher creatures, uh, or even if we follow our nature, which is our intelligence, then uh, it he's correct we should be care care for stewards of the natural world and care for this this great inheritance. That we've received, uh, and it's really easy to kill things, but it's 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 much more difficult to avoid killing things, and um, you can do it in everything. You can do it with mosquitoes. You can do it with deer. You can do it with with eagles. Whatever you want, but it it we really need to change our mindset that we're something. So very special and far above everything else, I Th- think.
2: Thank, Thank you, s- you for your comment. And I will um, finish by saying um, that in reference to uh, everyone's comments today and the show is that you know carnivores are mirrors for us of how we relate with each other and to the larger world around us. And coyote leads us to a larger question of our human place in the world, our inextricable bonds with the wild, and our separation from them. And you see, just from the conversations of people who have called in today, how deeply personal this is to us as humans in our relationships with this planet and the life. And it affects our health as humans deeply. And Become aware of this, where we want to find ways to create positive relationships with all life on the planet. Thank you.
1: I think this is a discussion that we would certainly like to continue, and we do appreciate all the callers who have called in. And I hope this has informed everybody's perspective about this subject. If you want to know more, contact Jerry. She's doing lots of workshops. Give us quickly your contact information.
2: Uh, uh, My email is g. Vistine. that's V as in Victor, I, S as in Sam, T as in Tom, E-I-N, at projectcoyote.org, if you missed that. Go to the website, www.projectcoyote, and you will see um, my contact information. Feel very free to contact me. If you would like um, presentations anywhere here in Maine, I love doing creative projects with the people here of Maine um, and to be a support to our living with carnivores. Thank you.
1: And for Healthy Options, thank you so very much for listening, and we'll talk with you next month.